Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money, a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. What's up, everyone? This is Ben. Uh, Marcus and I recorded this episode uh, earlier yesterday. So that was before the 59 Tomahawk missiles were sent from the Trump administration to Sherat uh, Airfield in order to uh, theoretically bomb the uh, the chemical weapons uh, that were used in uh, the atrocious attacks uh, from Assad's regime on his own civilians. Uh, the death toll now uh, is over 80 when it comes to those people who died in the chemical attacks. So I just want to give a quick brief update uh, before we start today's podcast about what we know. We know 59 Tomahawk missiles were fired from American destroyers in the eastern Mediterranean at El Sharat Airfield Base in Syria. Uh, The Syrian army says that roughly nine people were killed, uh, including four innocent civilian children. Uh, This is what happens when we fire missiles in order to prevent other tragedies. More tragedies occur. Uh, Trump ordered the strike after two days of intense deliberations that involved two meetings of his top national security advisors, including one that Mr. Trump conducted from his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida, which is kind of a strange thing to think about him uh, discussing uh, life and death and war and peace uh, right next to a golf course. Kind of a good uh, a good visual of uh, of the difference in perspective uh, there. In announcing the strikes on Thursday evening, Mr. Trump called the chemical attack very barbaric and said his decision would prevent and deter the spread and use of deadly chemical weapons. The Russian military, which is active in Syria, was notified of the strikes in advance, though American officials did not personally inform President Vladimir Putin. In a briefing, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson criticized Moscow for failing to live up to its promise in 2013 to destroy all of Syria's chemical weapons. Of course, that was the negotiations that the Russians, along with the Obama administration, uh, took part in in order to uh, get the weapons, chemical weapons, out of Syria. Now, do we know if they actually did get those weapons out of Syria in 2013? It is possible. Uh, As I was talking about on television recently, that border is extremely porous. Uh, Chemical weapons can flow through there extremely easily. and So we don't know when the the new chemical weapons uh, were actually able uh, to come in to Syria. Now, this is the strange and interesting thing is we also know for a fact that planes have been taking off uh, from Al-Sharat airfield base in Syria today. So I don't think it was a very effective military strike. And of course, the cynic in me sees this as nothing more than an opportunity for Donald Trump to raise his abysmal poll numbers, which are currently sitting at 35 percent in his first, you know, under 80 days in office. It's quite unprecedented to have a president with such low approval ratings so early early on in his administration. This also changes the news cycle for him. Uh, No longer are we talking about Russian collusion. No longer are we talking about the Affordable Care Act repeal and replace. Uh, No longer are we talking about a whole series of, of things regarding, uh, you know, climate change and and uh, all the negative press he's been getting regarding his uh, lifestyle when it comes to golfing and things like that. This completely changes that narrative. And mark my words, there will be an increase in his poll numbers. These things are very strategic. And as I say later on in this episode, uh, I mean, right on cue, I talk about how we show the missiles launching. We show the missiles flying through the air here on mainstream media on all the networks, Fox. 
Fox News. People said I didn't criticize Fox News enough. Fox News is definitely to blame for this. CNN, MSNBC, all of them are to blame for this. We show the missiles flying through the air like beacons of freedom and beacons of hope, and we don't show what happens when they land. And I'll tell you one thing. We need to start showing more of what happens when these missiles land. This this attack does not get Assad out of power. Uh, this attack does align in some strange ways, uh, as Rand Paul discussed, uh, Rand Paul being against the uh, the intervention in uh, in uh, in Syria because, of course, there was no national threat. Uh, to the United States coming from Syria. This is simply an interventionist move. Uh, ISIS is probably pleased with this move in many, many ways. Uh, I mean, you know, foreign policy and politics lead to strange bedfellows, and that's why getting involved in the Middle East is such a quagmire and such a nightmare, because the factions are so specific and so abstract uh, when it comes to um, why they're fighting. Uh, they're, they're specific with religions and tribes, and then it gets very blurry from there. We pay off certain tribes, we pay off certain sects. Next thing you know, a higher bidder has come, and they've decided to take their money and change um, and change who they're fighting for, etc., etc., etc. We've talked to uh, our good friend Saman Arbabi about this at length. My concern with the military strike, with the 59 Tomahawk missiles, what now? Uh, this is a huge deal. I mean, can you imagine if 59 missiles uh, were launched and hit the United States of America? This is a provocation of war. I understand we've been in Syria for a very long time. Uh, but now, where do we go from here? Uh, does Donald Trump simply want to have, does he want to have a wartime presidency? Does he want to be a wartime president? Certainly those alt-rights uh, individuals who are extremely nationalistic and extremely non-interventionalist, those individuals, uh, the Steve Bannon, uh, uh, I guess, minions, the Breitbart minions uh, are not happy with this whatsoever. Uh, the Richard Spencers of the world, not that it matters. Uh, hardcore conservatives, are hawkish conservatives are happy. The John McCain wing of the party, the Lindsey Grahams of the, uh, of the Republican Party. And then, of course, you have your status Democrats, such as former Senator Barbara Boxer. Nancy Pelosi has come out uh, in favor. Chuck Schumer basically came out in favor. There are powers that be in Washington that are very pro this. Obviously, we see the atrocities. We see the kids dying. We see the kids suffering uh, like fish out of water. It's horrible. It's disgusting. But now the question is, is sending in more military uh, bombs, sending in 59 Tomahawk missiles to explode uh, and destroy and degrade their country, is that going to help them? Or are there other ways to get this done, such as U.N. intervention and, um, and a series of other policies that can be put in place to prevent the Assad regime uh, from uh, carrying out chemical weapons attacks in the future. Assad is in a very strange position again because a lot of the people, if he is gone, that want to fill the vacuum of power are worse than he is in many, many ways. So that's why the Middle East is so confusing and so complex. But we did not have that information before we started this episode. Um, so please keep that in mind. I think it was a great episode. It's extremely fun. Also, briefly, uh, the nuclear option we talk about with, with Gorsuch. Towards the end, the Republicans want to put it in place, allowing uh, Gorsuch to be confirmed with 51% of the vote. This is something that the Democrats did in 2013. Uh, basically, it was Harry Reid. Uh, they uh, did not want uh, they didn't want filibusters to be allowed in, uh, in the appointees of Barack Obama, except for in the case of the Supreme Court, which is interesting because now obviously the Republicans are taking that and uh, making it effective in a decision regarding a Supreme Court nominee. They're using the nuclear option. They've expanded it, as these people always do. The precedent was set, however, in 2013 by Harry Reid and the Democrats. Uh, and so we get into that a little bit. And uh, and also there was a terror attack today in Sweden, in Stockholm, four people dead in a truck attack, uh, which plays into what we talk about when it comes to the mad world uh, that we're currently living in. And uh, I understand many perspectives, different perspectives on what's happening now uh, in uh, regarding Donald Trump, regarding his administration with Mattis and McMasters at the helm, um, deciding to use military action, deciding to send over missiles. Uh, so we will have a lot to talk about in the future. And um, I mean, the cynic in me says this is a rally around the flag moment. Uh, Trump's polls go up. Uh, Americans get war fatigue. Trump's polls go down. Repeat. That was a tweet that I put out there because I think that's accurate. And that seems to be the life cycle 
of uh, most of the presidents uh, that have existed in my lifetime. So, yes, enjoy the episode. Uh, you know, it's it's a strange time we're living in, and but we're going to live through it, and hopefully we can learn from these decisions. And, and honestly, I hope this is not the beginning of a much larger foreign intervention situation in the Middle East. However, I don't see how it isn't. This is very, very real stuff for Assad and his regime. This They're still in power. This does have conflicts. This does create conflicts with the U.S. and the Russian relations. It's a massive, massive thing that we will definitely be talking about on the next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hail yourselves. Um, all right, welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, hey, Ben. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, you know, it's just, you know, as a Democratic strategist, <laughs> I, I've, I've just been sleeping so well at night. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I feel really good. Now that you're firmly on the side of the Democrats. The, the, the Demo, and I, don't, I used to call them Democrats, but now I say they're Democrats. <laughs> they're wonderful. Uh, no, I got a chance to do IT, uh, ITV24, mm-hmm. and I wasn't aware, but they brought me on as a Democratic strategist, which was extremely fun. I, I got to go against a Republican strategist regarding what happened in Syria and Donald Trump blaming the Obama administration for the current chemical attack, which we can, we'll get into later on in the show. Obviously, a very serious, sad subject. Over 50 people dead in a horrific, horrific uh, gas attack and chemical attack in Syria. One of the worst possible demises a human being can have. And of course, uh, much like a, a, a missile dropped from a drone or um, a, uh, a a weapon uh, sporadically uh, shot throughout an amusement park, children and, and women, along with men, uh, passed away it doesn't discriminate there no. is nothing there is nothing more equality based than a chemical weapons attack when it comes to uh the non-discriminate uh amount of de- uh, death and chaos and sadness that they spread it's the most inexact form of warfare it is truly a disregard for human safety of, or life it's absolutely awful and of course it does look like the assad administration are the ones who put that into place it doesn't see we don't know it could have come from uh you know members of isis or a militant group uh within in, uh, within Syria, but in my personal opinion, uh, take it for what it's worth, I believe the Assad regime is responsible for the chemical attack uh, that happened in Syria. But we're going to get more into that a little bit later on in the episode. So, but I was introduced as a democratic strategist on television, which was uh, you know quite surprising. I, I want them to just introduce me as a political commentator, and I think we'll get that uh, with get that cleared away. Although it is fun. I mean, I can argue. I could be a Republican strategist or a Democratic strategist. I can see both sides, and I could argue both points uh, vehemently because it's just kind of fun to get angry on TV. No, 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 you you, sir, are wrong. Sir? No, sir. Sir? Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> I do bite my thumb at you, sir. I bite my toe at you, then. <laughs> that's uh, political discourse on television news. <laughs> Basically, that's it in a nutshell. Um, I have to clarify from the dumpster fire chats. Uh, he, yes, Hinckley, the man who shot Reagan, is out of jail. Yes. And I will say Reagan the way I say Reagan. <laughs> uh, he is out of he is out of not even jail. He's out of the mental facility just living his life and doing things like that. And I think that was the only thing that I uh, that I misspoke about. And, of course, South Dakota, we all know that is where the Dakota pipeline uh, is. Um, all right. So let's start here with uh, Nunes, Devin Nunes. Uh, he has stepped down. And uh, he will be replaced by a series of uh, of maniacs. Trey Gowdy is in the uh, is in the running. Mike well, Conaway. Mike Conaway. I mean, not in the running. He is there there to temporarily lead the committee's Russia probe. Okay, and yeah. of course that is what uh, Devin Nunes was doing. He was up there uh, leading the probe with uh, with the Russians' involvement in the 2016 election regarding Donald Trump, and yeah. we'll get into Susan Rice here as well. Uh, the major issue with Devin Nunes was before he went to speak to the committee, he went to the White House first, mm-hmm. uh, received their talking points, went back to the committee, and uh, in the minds of many people, including ourselves, I believe I can speak for you on this, Marcus, that doesn't seem to be a very bipartisan approach to a massive uh, probe that has international ram- so I think it was right for Devin Nunes to uh, step down the exact same way that Jeff Sessions uh, removed himself, recused himself from the Russian probe as well. Although Devin Nunes is not going uh, with any dignity whatsoever. Oh, good. <laughs> that's uh, that's always the best way to do it in Washington, isn't it? Kicking and screaming. Nice. Uh, this is his statement. He said, several left-wing activist groups have filed accusations against me with the Office of Congressional Ethics. The charges are entirely false and politically motivated and are being leveled just as the American 
people are beginning to learn the truth about the improper unmasking of the identities of U.S. citizens and other abuses of power. And of course, the unmasking that he's referring to is what we're finding out about Susan Rice, of course, National Security Advisor for uh, Barack Obama, uh, that she was uh, she she looked into she wanted to get information on private U.S. citizens regarding uh, their ties with the Trump campaign and the Trump campaign ties with the Russians. She wanted to get names well, at the end of the day. She sought to learn the identities of Trump associates swept up in uh, surveillance of foreign officials by United States spy agencies. I mean, Rice is dirty. Rice, and of course, Susan Rice, you know, she is sort of, she was the mouthpiece for the Obama administration. Not an easy job to be a mouthpiece for any of these administrations because all administrations have blood on their hands. And all administrations, in order for them to survive, have to use an immense amount of spin, a.k.a. lies. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the most famous lies on Susan Rice's plate is the lies regarding Benghazi. Uh, Of course, the the U.S. embassy in Libya that was only there because of our atrocious uh, overthrowing of uh, of, uh, Gaddafi in my personal opinion. All it did was lead to a quagmire, a disaster, and a place where um, militant minds are allowed to thrive. Uh, Benghazi, four individuals died. They blamed it on, Susan Rice blamed it on, because the Obama administration told her to, on a video, The Innocence of Muslims, a YouTube video, which was uh, really just as, uh, you know, that was just one of the, just as bad as what the WWE did with Chris Benoit Mm -hmm. and saying he couldn't have done it because if he is, if he does have the mind of an 85-year-old, there's no way he could pull off those moves. It was just (laughs) such a self-protective move and obviously a flawed response to a huge tragedy that, you know, lost uh, countless lives, not just the four Americans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the Trump uh, said today or said yesterday that she may have committed a crime, uh, but there's there's no evidence here. And yes, she did uh, seek to learn the identities of the Trump associates. But uh, what the right wing is talking about here is that she is guilty of unmasking certain officials. And they are talking about her unmasking as if it is fact right now. It is not fact well, right now. Uh, it and, is but not. I think that it is important here on both sides for us to not jump to conclusions, just as we're kind of doing here on the Russia thing, where there's a lot of smoke. We're not jumping to any conclusions just yet. I think it is, yes, it is interesting, but it is not a fact. Well, we don't know that for a fact, absolutely, but it would be in her best interest and it would be the something that she would have power to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, of course, the names, you know, Michael Flynn's name, the whole series of others, uh, you know, Manafort and uh, even um, uh, Roger Stone to some degree, uh, they, they, there's evidence that they were being spied up, uh, upon and we will uncover more and more of that, which is why Roger Stone is so desperate to testify in front of Congress. <laughs> I mean, he, he is treating this like a WWE pro Mm -hmm. Every turn he gets, every time he gets a turn to speak, he is just demanding that they have him come to Congress. I've never seen somebody more, uh, maybe Roger Clemente or something like that, the baseball player who borderline perjured himself, I believe. (laughs) Is it him or the other one? Uh, uh, One of the, Maguire or or Clemente both did something very stupid in front of Congress. So um, it is interesting, though, because we do know for a fact there were leaks. Every administration has leaks. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's sort of, they call it like backdoor or or, or background, uh, you know, channeling. Mm-hmm. It's sort of this accepted truth that leaks will exist, but technically on, on paper, they're not supposed to. But yeah. everyone knows that things get leaked. And uh, and it's sort of this bizarre uh, gray area. For example, the uh, the man who did uh, who leaked deep throughout, it took 30 years before they unmasked him. And still people believe that he should have served time in jail. And then, of course, uh, journalists who are under an immense amount of stress uh, other than Fox News, who seemed to be thriving under this presidency regarding access. Yeah. Uh, he certainly loves to watch the programming, Donald Trump, that is. Um, they, but the journalists themselves do feel as if there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress um, when it comes to uh, criminalizing the leakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they are. there is a, a sort of chilling effect that the Obama administration has had on the journalism community. So, um, you know, with uh, with all the Russian stuff, I was thinking about this. Yes, again, we don't have the fire right now, but what 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 usually kills people in a house fire is the smoke. Mm-hmm. And so if we do have uh, four consistent years of this small drip of information coming down from the Russian probe, very similar to Hillary's email scandal, at the end of the day, they were nothing. Yeah. Hillary should have just released everything and had a whole floodgate uh, wide open, and we could have looked through that information, and we would have been bored with it within two weeks, and it would have been out of the news cycle. It was that slow uh, Chinese water torture drip that led to the death of the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign. It's very possible that all this smoke surrounding the Trump administration, even if there is no fire, suffocates his, uh, his administration to a point where it's completely ineffective. He's 
already sitting at 35% approval rating. It took George W. Bush two failed wars at the time the Afghanistan war was going absolutely horribly uh, to get down to 35%. Uh, and he was at roughly 28% when he left office. We are 70 days in, hmm. and we have a president sitting at numbers uh, that were attributed to a president who had a foreign policy that forever disrupted the world. And that, of course, is uh, is W. Bush. So it is very unique to have a president not get that 100-day bump, yeah. That's uh, that overall support that we usually give a, a, a new incoming president, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and he's uh, falling among every single group. Well, the Republicans, he's he's still roughly 70%. Yeah, I've seen numbers it, as far as 78% with, yeah. with Republican approval. But again, it's a small trickle down. It where is. It is he's starting to get less. And less, like I think he's under fifty percent with white men now. And uh, the thing is, uh, what's happening now with the, with foreign policy? These situations are so serious. What we had, see, what we saw in Syria, and I have to actually commend Television News for showing the graphic images because usually in this country we we whitewash war. Like nobody else. You go overseas and you watch the the footage in Syria or even what was happening in the Iraq war during the initial inv- invasion. They show you everything. They show you limbs being blown off. They show you bones. They show you eyes out of sockets. They show you families grieving. In our country, it was a trumpet up to war, and they show the bright side, the good stories, and occasionally we'll see some fatalities. But for the most part, we see drone strike footage, mm-hmm. and we see a big mushroom cloud. We see a large explosion. It goes back to the early 90s and the original uh, invasion of the Gulf region um, in order to get the Iraqis out of Kuwait. All we saw were green streaks mm-hmm. going through the air. We never saw where those streaks landed and we never saw the destruction they created well uh, we used to do that we used to show the destruction we used to show bodies vietnam. back in vietnam and yep. a lot of people say that's why public opinion mm-hmm. of vietnam turned tide as the war went on further and further because people were sitting down every single night and they were seeing dead american soldiers right uh and i think now this is a good idea for them to finally show this shit again i wish they would have been doing this the last what 16 years well can you imagine though because this is the, these chemical weapons that I believe Assad's regime has been using again that is not confirmed so I'm but that's just my personal belief uh, I believe it is the uh, Assad regime this is what they said Saddam had. Mm-hmm. This, these were the chemical weapons that Hans Blix was looking all over the damn world for, overturning every rock, every uh, you know possible stone unturned to find weapons of mass destructions, aka destruction, aka chemical weapons, the similar weapons that were used by Saddam Hussein in the early '90s, which is why they thought they might still have them, which is. Uh, a massive cornerstone of the rhetoric used to get us into uh, Iraq in the first place. All lies. We're seeing it in Syria. Yeah. That is actually why we went into Iraq, because of the notion that they might have chemical weapons. And now we're seeing them actually used uh, in Syria. And I do not believe that this president has the political willpower, nor does this country have the uh, have the willpower to go in, have boots on the ground in a place like Syria. I believe the Russians are going to continue to dominate the arena, continue to dominate the whole theater in Syria. And uh, for Donald Trump, who now apparently has a different uh, who he's changed his thoughts on Assad, because you remember in 2016 when he was running. Trump praised Assad, mm-hmm. uh, like literally, like straight up praised him, and and uh, of course, uh, and, and now of course you wonder if that empowered Assad to the degree where he felt carte blanche to be able to get away with this on a national stage, knowing that the U.S. wouldn't intervene. This is where Donald Trump comes in when it comes to demonizing Barack Obama. Of course, Barack Obama promised he gave the red line uh, to Assad regarding the use of chemical weapons. Chemical weapons were used. The red line was crossed. And this is the problem with giving red lines and giving uh, determinate outcomes to situations that have not yet occurred. When they do occur, you better follow through with the threat. Otherwise, it is the definition of weakness or perceived weakness. Instead, what the Obama administration did working with the Russians was to get rid of chemical weapons in a as peaceful as possible way. Uh, from Syria. And so, you know, for all intents and purposes, they thought that they had rid the area of uh, of chemical weapons. But of course, as I talked about on that, I, as a democratic strategist, uh-huh. uh, as I talked about there, there is no border in Syria. The Middle East is in total shambles. It's not like what happened in Iran, where, you know, they have a theocracy, they have a full function in government, they have a full function in society. It's entirely different. There is no border in Syria. So God knows where they were able to get these chemical weapons from. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the North Koreans who obviously have a bevy of chemical weapons enough to go kill uh, the brother of Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. Relatively 
strange use of one of the worst chemicals on the face of the planet. They just did it in broad daylight. I mean, and the fact that they even had that kind of chemical weapon is is shocking and scary and something that has to be watched out for. But these are all around the global world, and these are all sold on the black market and and uh, amongst countries on the on the down low. So who knows where Syria was able to get these chemical weapons? But for Donald Trump, in my opinion, to blame Obama the exact same way that Obama blamed Bush for too long, I think we can definitely look at the fact that Bush's foreign policy left us in such a strange way, uh, in such a strange place uh, internationally that, you know, Barack Obama did have his back against the wall in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. For Trump to blame Obama for what happened in Syria, I just got so disheartened by it because it's another example of a president not taking responsibility. And this country deserves better than that. Yeah. You know, we deserve a president. I don't care whose fault it is. You know, uh, you know, Trump is constantly talking about how he inherited a mess. The world is always in, no president inherits a good situation mm-hmm. because being that's why it's one of the most difficult jobs, if not the most difficult job in the world. Uh, the closest we got is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton inherited an okay world. Okay, and he left an okay world. Yeah, he left an okay world. Of course, world. he could, could have killed Osama, and then maybe <laughs> we don't have uh, you know, 9-11. Who knows? But these are mistakes, and yeah. these are things in hindsight, and it is what it is. But I, I, I just thought that was such an unpresidential thing for Donald Trump to do, one of the many unpresidential things for him to do. We're looking at these children suffer like fish out of water, uh, gasping for breath, and he just goes and blames it on his predecessor. Be the president. If you want to talk about uh, not taking responsibility, if you want to talk about dead children, drone deaths, drone civilian deaths under Trump in just 70 days have skyrocketed. Well, Donald Trump on the campaign trail did promise to kill their families, uh, you know, and of course with Obama. I mean, these drone strikes are not specific. They're not scalpel. Um, you know, they're not... Uh, they're not Ben Carson doing brain surgery. They are scattershot, to say the least. And so Obama has his hands filthy when it comes to all of that stuff as well. That is true. But uh, Donald Trump is taking an even looser approach to it. He has removed some of the rules of engagement that Obama put on to try to, at the very least, minimize civilian deaths. He's removed those rules of engagement, and the drone deaths of civilians are much higher they're than gonna- they were under Obama. And they're only going to get higher. And this is... This is not only inhuman, it is awful policy. For every single family member that you innocently, every single innocent family member that you kill, you are creating another terrorist. You're creating another person who hates not just America, but the rest of the world. And as the Russians are seen now as well with the suicide bomber that uh, blew up, I believe it was a train station Mm -hmm. in Russia, countless people killed. Uh, These suicide bombers, when it comes to the philosophy and ideology of ISIS, it's a fluid philosophy. It knows no national borders, and that makes it extremely dangerous, uh, specifically in the internet era. Uh, So I agree with you that that we have to have much more precision. And Donald Trump, he does want to sort of take it away a little bit more from the drone program and go more into the direction of a traditional military. That's why the military spending is going through the roof right now. Oh, it it reminds me of the Russians uh, towards the latter days of their uh, of the Soviet Union. Um, just overspending dramatically on the military. We have enough money at this point, although we are, what, $20 trillion in debt. Um, so maybe we don't have enough money, actually. But uh, that's that's his whole uh, – his M.O. is to rebuild the military in a tangible level because it's boys with their toys. It's a uh, terrible idea. And uh, it is what it is. So we also saw uh, the developments recently now with the National Security Council um, with uh, Steve Bannon is no longer on it. Uh, supposedly no longer on it, and evidently he was only on it in order to watch National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. He was supposed to, Bannon was supposed to sort of, I guess, babysit him for all intents and purposes. Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. Which, I mean, to me... Is he going to whip down his pants? I mean, does he do like the watch trick where he's like, look at my watch, and it turns out to be his penis wrapped around his wrist? I mean, what is this guy doing in there where they thought he needed a handler? Why did they put him as National Security Advisor if they thought that he needed to be, have an eye kept on him? like that, exactly. That to me, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's them admitting that they knew that Michael Flynn might have been d- dirty. And it was because Michael Flynn defended uh, Donald Trump when no one else was defending Donald Trump. The entire campaign, uh, Michael Flynn was supportive of Donald Trump, mainly because of his uh, Muslim stance and his promise to ban Muslims, which was a horrible branding technique uh, for the Trump administration. That's why the sixth country ban uh, in the Middle East is so difficult to pass or convince people it's not a Muslim ban because, like we talked about, the president said it was. Flynn was there supporting him during all of those things. And I think it was a, um, a situation where 
you know, Trump didn't have anybody else to turn to. Well, Trump, no, I mean, that just tells you that Trump values loyalty over competence. Uh, he doesn't, he could have very well put someone in there that did not agree with him. He could have put his big boy pants on, grown the fuck up, and well, put someone in there that may have disagreed with him or had said that he didn't didn't really like him in the past, but instead he put someone in there that might have been dirty, that might have some stuff in his closet that might not have made him appropriate for the job mm. and put his other buddy Ben in there to keep an eye on him. It's just horrible. Ma- it's horrible management. Well, you know who else had things in the closet? Eminem. And he turned out <laughs> it turned out to be a great rap song where he was cleaning out the closet, yeah. which you wouldn't think that would be a fun rap song because you think it would be more about cleaning, but it was more of a symbolic <laughs> thing. It, he wasn't like Uncle Buck where he's like, I got a bowling ball in here. I got some bowling pins in here. I got some peanut butter in here. I got some golf clubs in here. That's my cleaning out my closet. I got an old duffel bag in here. I got some Jose Bank jackets in here. Oh, look at my recorder where I record in my closet. That's what I use for that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and Donald Trump did come out and, uh, you know, he, he said in as strong of words as possible, I believe he called it a, a, an affront uh, to humanity. What happened in Syria regarding the chemical attacks, of course. Uh, well, he hung out with the uh, Jordanian uh, president. So he has been aggressive in his rhetoric regarding, you know, the d- disdain for the attacks that happened in Syria. He said his views on Assad has now, they have now changed. Um, who knows what that actually means? The Democrats are relatively silent on this entire issue. Do we just continue relying on the Russians to be our main military force uh, over there? What are we really going to do in Syria? We overthrow Assad. Uh, who takes over? I mean, these these issues are so unbelievably complex, and um, and will and hopefully the Trump administration will see what they can do uh, going forward. I mean, I believe uh, you know McMaster. He's very bright. He's a great military mind, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's they're they're going through a series of scenarios. Um, and maybe this is an event, this catastrophic international event. Maybe this is what gets Donald Trump focused on the presidency so he doesn't go and play golf for the 12th weekend out of his, whatever, 14th or 15th weekend in the White House. Nothing will ever get him focused. I'm 100% convinced uh, by this. I mean, no, I don't think anything will ever get him focused. I mean, you, I don't mean yeah. to be fatalistic, and, you know, and I know, we'll see. and I know there are people, you know, I'm actually in, you know, pretty regular email correspondence with a very intelligent guy uh, who also happens to be a Trump supporter. He's optimistic as fuck, uh, but I cannot find any optimism in this presidency because he well, has just again and again proved otherwise. He just you know, keeps and that's fucking why, up. You know, it, it was, I, I put it on Twitter and people got mad at me. Or one dude tweeted at me a bunch. I think it was Rusty. Hey, Rusty. How are you, buddy? Um, he was, you know, because I called it was a flippant, I thought it was, it was a flippant response when it, when the Syrian attacks first came to light, when we first saw the footage of this horrible destruction and death for him to blame Obama first. Before And then, of course, again, he did come out and it's an affront to humanity and and was a little bit more presidential, a little bit more um, mournful and understanding of the significance of the situation. Because someone told him to be. Well, he had to. Well, of course. That's not bad, though. I mean, you know, that's why you have advisors. You know, these are just people. No person knows everything and no one knows the perfect response. Of course not. I just thought the first knee-jerk response, though, which is a real indicator of who a person is of character the fact that he just blamed obama immediately as opposed to recognizing the significance of the situation and this would have been a great time and you know obama was you know didn't do a good enough job with healing the nation as well during a lot of the riots that were happening under uh you know barack obama a a lot of the terror attacks that were happening i think he was too professorial and i don't think he was uh you know uh, he didn't. He didn't project that warmth. You know, Ronald Reagan. Uh, the policies were not good uh, on many, many levels. But he did project warmth, and Bill yeah. Clinton, to some degree, projected a warmth. Mm-hmm. And um, Obama never really had that. But this was an opportunity for Trump to do that. Sit down with the nation, talk to us, instead of taking to Twitter and blaming Barack Obama. Yeah, it is. Uh, it shows a, a massive amount of insecurity uh, because, of course, his his first thought is like they're going to blame me. 
no, I better blame Obama. And, but, you know, like, even Obama, yeah. yes, he was pro- professorial and he was not very good at speaking to the American people, but at least he didn't just sit there and throw out red meat because that's well, what that's what Trump was doing with that oh, blame Obama thing. It's like, here's some red meat from, yeah. for people to chew on for a little and, while. At the end of the day, I don't even disagree. I mean, you've got to go back 2001, you know, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war. We can blame, we have, we have three presidents we can blame for this now. Yeah. You know, so yes, of course, Obama is complicit in the actions uh, you know, to the actions of the Assad regime and what's happening in that region. He had eight years of foreign policy that that are um, certainly not to be forgotten about. Of and course of course, not. the red line. I just want but it is the not president. the president's idea to say it's not the president's job to say that. It is the press's idea. Sure, or the it is press's the job to say that. The I pundit's agree. job to say that. It is not the president's job to say that. The election is fucking. Over. It's over. He's still in election mode. He's already campaigning for 2020, which will be interesting. There are some <laughs> rumors going around uh, that uh, current uh, ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, wants to throw her name mm. into the ring. But that would almost be impossible because she would have to start campaigning in 2018. And it's really difficult to primary a president within your own party for two years yeah. actively sort of seeking their <laughs> job. That's going to lead to some tensions, and yeah. I don't quite see how it's possible. Yeah. Um, well, the reason why he's in campaign mode is because campaigning is the only thing he's good at he's, it is it's the only thing he enjoys it's well, he the only it. thing that makes him happy besides fox news yes um yeah i mean it's it and he was great at it and he is great at it talking about you know talk about um a uh, a candidate who did embrace the crowd i mean he did it absolutely amazingly when i got to go on the television show as a democratic strategist i did believe uh i did say and i do believe if hillary clinton was president i think we would have a stronger military intervention in syria because i believe she would get putin out of power which is why the russians uh most likely i mean basically we can say most without a doubt basically but we'll just say most likely interfered in the 2016 election i think that's pretty definitive at this point there i was think interference it, yeah i, I think um, it's, it's pretty and uh, it was because pretty- putin yeah, because Putin was worried about getting Gaddafi. Yeah, you know, and she basically promised that she would because she talked about how the elections were a fraud and and how he doesn't have nearly the support that uh, that he says he does. And I, I think, think that Hillary would have had a more aggressive foothold in the Syrian region. I really I, do. I think it's pettier than that. Like, I don't, I don't think that uh, Putin was. Uh, do you mean Putin was worried about getting Gaddafi or Assad? I think, was, no, Putin. You think Putin? And I think, I think I think it would have gone down to Assad because right now Putin and Assad. Uh, realized they had an ally in Donald Trump when Trump, again, was praising Assad and obviously Putin on the campaign trail in 2016. I mean, it's also possible that it's much pettier than that, uh, because when Putin Ooh. had when there was a uh, an election a few years ago when, you know, there was a lot of, you know, ballot stuffing and things like that. Clinton, when she was secretary of state, came out against uh, Putin during yeah. this election uh, and in Putin's view interfered with it. Yeah, and it's exactly. very possible that Putin was just coming back at her. Well, yeah, but pettiness in uh with with stakes like these this is how wars begin yeah i mean hell uh, john mccain just called kim jong-un a fat little kid <laughs> um and in north korea you know uh, thought of it uh, you know considered a a, a, pro, uh, a provocation of war it's a dumb idea you know? that was a really dumb well, shit thing to say it was funny and then it was he, funny and, but and then people a, did say he, on twitter someone was like you shouldn't have called him a fat uh, fat little kid he's like what am i supposed to do call him a skinny little kid <laughs> uh that was that was a yeah. good john mccain that was a maverick move yeah that, that was that was, a maverick, that was move. a maverick move. But it was a really dumb shit thing to say. Things can be funny and dumb shit things to say at the same time. Most things that are funny are kind of dumb shit things to say, actually. <laughs> That's true. And, of course, North Korea is now, uh, they just tested a missile. They just put it into the Sea of Japan uh, because, of course, uh, the president is now meeting with the um, with the main man, the president of China. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, when the when the Japanese uh, leader came over, North Korea also re- they just act like children, mm-hmm. and they know this is like a, this is going to get them international press. The Japanese are going to cover their missile launch, and now of course the Chinese will be covering uh, their launch as well. Uh, China provides ninety percent of all the goods in North Korea, and it is beginning to seem like the North Koreans, as we talked about, I'm not sure if we mentioned it on this show, but it seems to me like a cult on the way out Mm -hmm. i think kim jong-un is like where do we go from here i think that's why he's eliminating his brother i think the country is in such dire straits they are extremely fatalistic and i don't even know if the uh, if the chinese have the power that we hoped or assumed that they did um for so many years over the north koreans because again the the provocation with the missile launch is uh right on time with another meeting of a of a foreign leader from that region and the north koreans know exactly what they're doing i think they're gearing up for the end yeah, I really. It seems to me like where did they go? You know, this is your. This is the grandson of their, 
of uh, you know Kim Jong Soon, and uh, it's this is it. I don't know. I don't see uh, Kim Jong Un. He's he's very young still. He's got many many years in power left. I, at the end of the day, when your country is starving, the best thing for you to do is rally around the flag. I mean, you're right. It does. I mean, it is a nation that is also a cult. It, that has been, it is. Oh, yeah, it's very that, cultish, that yeah. has actually been, uh, I mean, this whole thing has been cultivated they got uh, L- for decades, yeah. uh, through three generations. They got L. Ron Hubbard's dream. Yeah. They, they have a country. nation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so, I don't know. That's that's a whole other, uh, you know, situation. Yeah. It's beyond dictatorship. Oh my! It's a religion. Yeah. I mean, there, there. It's very, you know, with the Japanese, uh, you know, before World War II, when they were dealing with that whole dynasty, uh, you know, that's exactly what's happening in real, in real time. We get to see sort of a primitive way of governance in in real time, and it always ends in destruction. Mm. They never end. It doesn't end well. Look, you know, Lenin, the whole, the whole nine with the Russians. I mean, it just doesn't end well uh, when you have to uh, rely solely on your government and, and praise it like a deity. Because they're just people, not gods. Mm-hmm. And people always make mistakes, just naturally. Um, so the the international affairs right now with what's happening with the North Koreans, what's happening in Syria, this is really overwhelming stuff. And I just hope, I think I think McMaster is good. I think there are some people that can handle uh, what's happening right now. And then you cloud all of that. But you, you know, So hopefully they can you know figure out a, a rational strategy for Syria. Boots on the ground, uh, what, what does it do? It, you know, get Assad out of office. Who's replacing him? A lot of times we see you know, um, these situations, and naturally just being Americans, we see protests as good uh, for progressive reasons, for, you know, in order to create a more uh, humane world uh, you know, based on equality. But a lot of times in the Middle East specifically, the protesters are more radical than the people they're trying to uh, dispose of. And uh, so I don't know who fills the vacuum, the power vacuum in Syria, which is why Assad has been able to weather every single storm. And these have been very stormy, twister-esque uh, conditions. I mean, it's been uh, tumultuous to say the least, but the only reason he's able to stay in power is because the Americans and the Russians are like, who else? Yeah. So that's the interesting thing with that. So that's the sort of – and then all of that being clouded with the Russian scandal, I mean – it is. Uh, it's been a, a strange, difficult seventy days, and I think it's starting to uh, set in, if it hasn't already, with the Trump administration, that these next four years are going to be extremely significant and important because everyone right now is acting up. Yep. And this is where America. We don't need strong rhetoric. We actually need strong actions, and um, and strong leadership. Strong leadership, and uh, so we'll we'll see if they're going to be able to do it. Uh, and that's just a time will tell because he hasn't released any foreign policy yet because Donald Trump consistently and and I understand to some degree what he's saying, but I think I just don't have the confidence that he actually understands enough to really back up the claims that he's not saying what we want to do uh, militarily in the Middle East because he doesn't want to reveal his hand. He's been saying that on the campaign yeah. trail. He's like, you know, we used to tell people the day, the hour we're going to attack all that kind of stuff. And I do understand you don't want a Geraldo Rivera moment where you reveal secret information and then the terrorists are able to, or the enemy is able to use it uh, against us. But I just don't trust him that he has in the back of his mind an actual policy that he's concealing because, quite frankly, as we've learned from Donald Trump, if he knows something, he's going to Twitter with it. Yeah. Uh, We gave the job of president to an amateur at the worst possible time. Uh, At a very, at a crossroads, not only just for America, but for the world, we gave the job to an amateur to see what happens. What happens. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, I mean, there's a lot of people. It was just, I don't even want to get in. We're not, re, we're not renegotiating. <laughs> we're not going to rehash the whole no. 2016 election no, for crying out loud. We're, we're not going to rehash the there's election. There's a lot of events it's, that brought us here. And yeah. I, this is the candidate. This is the president America deserves right now. And, and, and both sides are to blame for this. Yeah. Uh, I firmly believe that. Um, no, I don't we, think America ever deserves this. And talking about, uh, well, uh, we we do not are the the good people of this country and the ideals that we uphold most of the time. Uh, we never deserved a person like Donald Trump. We got to get different people in political office, and we have to have many many more people on that stage running for the most significant office in the world, which is the United States presidency. But going back to the bickering and the bipartisanship uh, that is just permeating through Washington because of gerrymandering, because of redistricting, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to solve it all. Oh, yeah. He's promised. I hope You've he does. You've already solved it. The Bigfoot pizza, Ben Kissel redistricting plan. Yeah, I mean, it's a genius idea. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see if it is. Maybe this Brooklyn Borough president will be able to do it. Um, the uh, what happens? What's happening right now with Gorsuch? 
the Democrats are promising uh, to, uh, no matter what, there's a few uh, Democrats that are supporting uh, Gorsuch. Of course, he's the Supreme Court nominee that Donald Trump has put up. Neil Gorsuch, he's more conservative than Scalia, but for all intents and purposes, a rational judge um, with with conservative leaning. So I understand uh, having issues with him from an ideological uh, perspective, but... Um, as far as being a judge, he's a he's a judge. Yeah, uh, and and uh, you know, and I believe Merrick Garland should have uh, went through, but the Republicans were such obstructionists uh, when it comes to Merrick Garland. The Democrats are getting their revenge, and now it's possible that the Republicans pull the nuclear option, which I hate the, even using that term for this, which basically will negate the the fact that you need sixty votes, bring it down to fifty one votes, and uh, and Gorsuch would be able to be confirmed as Supreme Court justice that way. Uh, so in other words, it means that whoever literally is, whoever is in power at the time will automatically get in their Supreme Court nominee. The sixty vote thing—it's just a precedent. It's yeah. not like a law. That's why these you know Congress is so difficult to follow. Well, they love the uh, rules. They just have precedent, though. It's not yeah. even like it's not, there's nothing in the Constitution about it. Right. It is. It is just longstanding tradition, mm-hmm. and that's sort of been the uh, the glue that has bo- uh, you know binded a lot of the United States uh, Congress, and of course the Supreme Court re- relies solely on precedent, uh, you know, or hopefully does. You know, if that does happen, uh, which it very well could, I think it'll be a black mark on the uh, on the appointment and on Neil Gorsuch as a Supreme Court justice, but everything is so hyper-partisan right now, and the Democrats now actively being the opposition party and being the obstructionist party or taking a page out of the Republicans' playbook. Of course, the Republicans are now complaining about it, and I wish the Democrats had a little bit more of a moral high ground, but I understand um, these people are in – it's a rock and a hard place, except for people like Joe Manchin, uh, who is from a state that Donald Trump won. You know, you have a few Democrats in there from states that Donald Trump won. Uh, there's another one from – I believe it was South Dakota – um, where it's not, it's not, you know, it's not going to be political suicide mm-hmm. if they support Gorsuch, but now because of the precedent set by uh, Republicans regarding their absolute pathetic non-vote on Merrick Garland, um, the Democrats are just taking a page out of their book, and we're right back to where we are. Uh, that we're right back to where we were with Merrick Garland, but now the name has changed. It's Neil Gorsuch, and the American people at the end of the day, the the, the just the everyday American person who doesn't care about partisan politics is once again, they have their hands up in the air looking at Washington, and that's why Congress now sits at about an 11% approval rating, but still 98% of people who go up for re-election win. Yeah. I mean, it's insane the way the system has been rigged. And uh, it's Republicans, you know, um, are very good. Look at North Carolina, very good at gerrymandering, redistricting, putting into an algorithm the people they know for a fact after, you know, getting a bunch of data study. And the Democrats do the same thing, but the Republicans are better at it, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And they know, how to, they, they know how to redistrict to a point where they're guaranteed victories. And, uh, and the Democrats as well. That's why you have 90, 98% uh, retainment into, uh, into the House and into the Senate, regardless of the fact they sit nationally at around 11% approval. Yep. It's, it's, a total, it's, it's totally broken. That's just not the – I mean, if you would tell somebody it's a you – know, obviously, it's a republic. Um, you know, if, but if you would tell someone elected officials sit at 11%, they would be like, so they're all gone the next year, right? It's like, nope, 98% stay. It doesn't make any sense. No. And it, but it's all on purpose. It is all on purpose. None of that stuff is the fault of the American people because they never moved. They didn't move their house into another district. No, we some didn't, random imaginary line just changed. We didn't vote for this. We, we did didn't sign off it. on this. We didn't say yes to this. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I think that's basically where we are right now. Yeah. Very. It's good times. <laughs> Democratic strategist Ben Kissel, which is very fun. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys so much for your support. I think we got to basically everything. Susan Rice, we'll figure that out. Uh, we'll see if uh, more information comes to light. Yeah, just Russian- Susan Rice, just like with uh, the Republicans on the Russian side, smoke, no fire. Smoke, no fire, but again, smoke suffocates, and we'll see if the Trump administration is going to be able to withstand this for four freaking years. Uh, 70, for 70 days. days. <laughs> basically 70 days. I mean, it's pretty remarkable, right? Right now, um, Gorsuch, I do believe he's going to end up passing. I think they might have to do the option where it's just going to be 51 votes. Um, and uh, as far as Syria, uh, you know, I believe it's going to be a little bit more of the same with the Russians taking the taking the lead there. Again, I believe they want to, you know, get those, uh, you know, kind of get that coalition, get the, you know, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, get those nations kind of under control and have a little bit more of power there. And, you know, the big winner on the international stage is still Vladimir Putin, which is absolutely pathetic.
Yeah. And uh, it sucks to say this is, uh, and I wish that wasn't the case, but I don't really see uh, how it isn't at this point. Uh, although Nikki Haley has been, I got to say, she's been doing a great job. Um, if you watch her speak in front of uh, the UN, she's doing a wonderful job, and she is a bright spot for the Republican Party. And uh, the Democratic Party, you know, they've got to figure out how to be the party of opposition, but also a party of, of ideas and a party that uh, can mobilize a significant group of people for 2018. Um, because as we're seeing, although, you know, as we're seeing right now, it doesn't matter if the Democrats, uh, you know, only have, you know, 48 or uh, in, uh, a significantly less, uh, less uh, number in Congress. The Republicans will dismantle themselves, as we're seeing with the fractures between the Freedom Caucus, uh, you know, your establishment Republicans, and then your bizarre Steve King's alt-right Republicans. It's sort of three different factions going against each other. So it's almost... You almost don't need the Democrats if you're if you don't if you don't like the Republican Party, don't stress it because they are taking care of themselves when it comes to dismantling their power structure. Yep. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, the show is absolutely crushing it, by the way. So we really appreciate yeah, you. Thank y'all so much. And uh, so go on, go on iTunes and rate and review. Oh, that would be amazing. Yes. And then uh, yeah, I mean I'm popping up on a, doing a bunch of different stuff. So I'll put that out on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. And. Uh, Let's see, we're nominated for a Webby for Last Podcast on the left. Yeah, be sure to go to webbyawards.com yeah. and uh, vote for Last Podcast. Get that People's Choice Awards. Thank you so much uh, for getting us to this point, everybody. This is all due to you. It's all due to you. Thank you so much. And uh, go and get a T-shirt also. There's the Able Against Top Hat shirt and the Ben Kissel for President shirt. And uh, uh, don't come at me with that, with that shirt. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Last Podcast shirts and the Jackie shirt and all that kind of stuff. CaveComedyRadioMerch.com. So. Yes. All right, everyone. I'm going to say hail yourselves because I love you so much. Oh. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it to this show. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. If say- I ever got to be Brooklyn Borough President, by the way, you know that sign that goes over the Pulaski. Uh-huh. Right now, it says, "What a great place to live." Hail yourselves. That's what it would say. <laughs> that would be amazing. And we're going to have a lot more to talk about with that. Uh, May first, I think, will be our our big launch date, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And it'll be a, hopefully encourage people to get active. That's the whole point: is to encourage people to get out there and participate because we have the right to do it. And a lot of people died for the right for us to do it, and so. So we got to respect that. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.